filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues, including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. Jason, did you have fun at Pinstripes on Saturday? Uh, I did. Uh, I actually found out through one DC United friend that another person I watch games with is getting married. Um, he, I guess, decided to announce it via like a deceptively directed Facebook post where it looked like he was talking about one thing and at the end was like, oh, by the way, I'm getting married. Um, <laughs> and you had no time for that? I just never saw it because I don't go on Facebook. Um, and that was the only way he told anyone. Um so now people are telling people because I guess word has to spread. Um, but no, it was fun. Uh, it was fun hanging out with most of the staff of the blog. Um, Sorry, Ben. Well, it wasn't just Ben that wasn't there, but he's the only one here. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> he's there. the only one on the podcast. Who um, it was my wife's birthday party. I, I may or may not have enabled the stalking of a player. <laughs> this is true. A player who subsequently got traded. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could. I could have enabled the stalking of like a more commonly playing player, and then that we would have had a problem. Will the stalking continue to Colorado? Is my question. Only time uh, will tell. <laughs> it was a good time. Pinstripes is always uh, this, this event at Pinstripes. I should say is is always fun. The team does a good job with it, and it, it seems to get a little bit better every year as they figure out where some of the the snags and and issues might arise and they they plan around them. The team store worked a lot better. The personalization worked a lot better this year. There wasn't a huge standing line for at least the personalization like there was last year. It was generally a a really fun event and the players all seem to enjoy it and are super personable in real life. It's nice to see athletes who are like that and not completely aloof. Um, I had fun with my family, with, with you, Jason, and the staff and other friends who were there. It was a, it was a good time. Yeah, I got to see uh, Noe's uh, cautious approach to playing soccer with much, much larger children. Yeah, my, um, my daughter, who is not... close, and then intelligent would be like, oh, this isn't for me right now. Yeah, my, my daughter, who is not yet two, has an admirable sense of self-preservation, which is... You know, gratifying for a father to, to see it's that. I don't have to develop. jump in and save her from herself very frequently, uh, which, you know, makes life easier for me when I have a beer in my hand. She needs to learn grit and and to put it all on the line and to leave it all on the field and other sports cliches. And maybe someday she will, but not when no, she's no, one she, and a half. No, she really doesn't. Right now, like a 60-pound child falling on her was the threat. <laughs> like a leaping, possibly clumsy 60-pound child toppling on there. And it's it's good, you know, sometimes you don't need grit. Sometimes you need to know not to get crushed. That's, yeah, I'm it's with good that. Good advice. Everyone write that down. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson, Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United, the U.S. national teams, and... A whole lot more. We only have two items 
on the agenda tonight, which does not necessarily mean it will be a short show, but we'll see. The United States men's national team beat Canada uh, last week to end their winter camp, Camp Cupcake, Camp Strudel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, one nothing on a goal from Josie Altidore, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And we will also talk about DC United's transfer sagas that are ongoing, and also there's some preseason in there as well. Before we talk about anything, though, Ben, what are you drinking? So I'm going with a fairly standard drink for me. I'm going with a regular bourbon old-fashioned, but I wanted to turn, since it's a regular drink, I wanted to turn it into a slight PSA. Friends. You? What? Me, You bourbon? have a PSA about, yeah, I, I, I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Friends, don't buy simple syrup. Make your own simple syrup. It's super easy. Who the hell buys simple syrup? People do. I don't know. Someone gave me some once. That's fine. You didn't buy it. Like if someone, yeah, if if, if someone makes like mint simple syrup or or you know some other flavored simple syrup for a friend and says, "Here, use this in your drinks." That's that's one oh, thing. Store bought. Really? They bought it, and bought it to me. That's. I didn't know that was a thing. But really. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, they're there. If you look around, they're always by the mixers. It's just, you know. Oh, yeah. You can make it. Huh. it it's super like, easy to make. Just make your own. Trust. And you can add stuff to it. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Believe us. That's my PSA. Okay. <laughs> do you do you like a, a, a one cup of sugar to one cup of water or two cups of sugar to one cup of water? Where, I, where do you like your ratio? I do. I do one to one. And then do you do you let it go for a while to get a little more caramelly, or do you do you take it off the boil right quick? Take it off pretty quick. I wanted to just get it done with so I could actually start enjoying my old fashioned. You like that neutral sweetness, not the the kind of more complex flavors. I like the more complex fav- flavors, but I was running up against starting this podcast, so I needed to drink, so I needed to finish it. And I cannot believe that a member of this podcast would have a planning failure. When it comes to recording this podcast, that is unbelievable I, to me. I also like that Ben's explanation was initially, I needed to drink. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I also have gone towards something simple and uh, fairly common for this show. Um, I went out and I wanted an ESB. I wanted to get something local, but the local ESBs were all out of stock. So I ended up getting Red Hook ESB. Um, which is still a good ESB for yeah. uh, for the price and all that. Um, I mean, it's a pretty good ESB. It's not the greatest ESB, but if you want an ESB, and during winter time, it's it's appropriate. Uh, it is uh, a perfectly perfectly acceptable uh, option. ESBs are good. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, I'm also drinking a, a West Coast beer, uh, Lagunitas Undercover Investigation Shutdown Ale. Which is a bit bigger than an ESB. Uh, it's their their limited release, nine and a half percent by volume alcohol by volume beer that celebrates what they call the let's see the two thousand five St. Patrick's Day massacre on the brewery party grounds, and then also enjoy a celebration of our twenty day suspension that following January. Do the crime, do the time, get the bragging rights. Is what they say. Um, so they made a really big beer that's it's a little bit hoppy and it's it's quite good. I like it a lot and it's 
you know, nine and a half percent. So it's not messing around. <laughs> I'm not going to use not messing around as a segue. I just want to say that as I turn our attention <laughs> to the United States. <laughs> Speaking of not messing around. <laughs> the USA did beat Canada one to nothing on Friday in the second of two. Not really that great performances that somehow were both wins. Josie Altador's game-winning goal ensured that nobody should be happy at the end of that game. Uh, the United States, because we didn't play particularly well, and Canada, because, well, they also didn't play that well, but they didn't get a result. If they had gotten a scoreless draw, if they'd held the U.S. scoreless, that would have been one thing. But they didn't do that thanks to this goal. Goal was created... Uh, after a big switch from Michael Bradley to Ethan Finley, who was playing inverted on the left because that's something he's ever done in his club career. And so, of course, Yuri Klinsman tried it. It happened to work this time a lot better than playing him at his natural right wing against Iceland. Instead of dribbling straight into a defender, it was an emergency kind of conversion, converted uh, right back for Canada. Um, he cut inside and was given plenty of room to cross and put it right on Josie Outsdoor's head put it past the keeper and in for the win. Um, ben, am I being too harsh or is there not a lot to be happy about in either of these two games? If you're a USA fan, I mean, overall, not really. I mean, as a DC United fan, there's some stuff to be happy about, but um, the performances overall were fairly typical of January friendlies. They weren't amazing. They weren't even that exciting as compared to some previous ones, but Wins are more than the U.S. has gotten in recent events, especially in 2015, so that's at least some progress, and you can look at some of the uh, younger players especially and see some promising things going forward, so it's a mixed bag. Yeah, that's probably about right. There were some good things to be, if you're a USA fan, um, there were some things to hang your hat on, Josie Altador being one of the... He looked dangerous throughout. He, you know, his touch still deserts him from time to time. And sometimes his decision making isn't the best, but he was making hard runs for 90 minutes through both games. And the game winning goal came from one of them. And, uh, that's nice to see. And, uh, as a fan of a team that's going to be playing his Toronto FC, is it two or three times this year that we get TFC? Either way, that's, not, I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing that there. But as a USA fan with World Cup qualifying starting, that is better to see than, than we've had in a while from Josie. So I'm certainly happy about that. Ben, you alluded to Steve Birnbaum earlier uh, being something that DC United fans can be happy about in this camp. He, we talked about him last week coming in uh, in the second half against Iceland and uh, assisting on a goal, scoring a goal, both on set pieces. Um, obviously he was also involved in Iceland's goal, though, despite being the closest person to the ball, none of us thought he was primarily at fault for that goal. He came into this game, played, I think all 90 minutes at right back, which is not his position, but he did an admirable job of it, uh, was very sturdy, especially with a, um, loose cannon in Jermaine Jones playing next to him at center back, um, <laughs> I almost think Birnbaum got forward a couple of times, but nowhere near as often as Jones did in this game. And I think the, the part of me that 
is inclined to be charitable and make the best possible read of whatever I'm looking at thinks that Jurgen Klinsmann tried something where he had an overlapping center back and a stay at home fullback for this one. And mostly it, it was probably just Jermaine Jones being Jermaine Jones. Jason, I know you didn't get a chance to watch this game closely, but is there any reason for 34 year old Jermaine Jones to be getting 90 minutes at center back in no. any national team situation? No, I mean, in in a do or die game where a lot of center backs are injured, um, I mean, and by that I mean a lot, a lot, like fifteen to twenty center backs are all injured. <laughs> um, but no, in this game, in this camp, which is supposed to be like this was supposed to be even more experimental than normal. It was a very um, there, there were eight or nine guys that are targets for the Olympic roster rather than the senior team, all in there. Um, no, there's no reason. You don't learn anything in that situation. Um, but we've dealt with it over and over again with Klinsman. He he has ideas about what he wants to learn, and he doesn't seem to care that Jones is uh, 34 and currently without a club. I, maybe he was trying to do stuff so that people would see that Jones is fit and, and sign him, but... Uh, I feel like he could have proven that by just like showing up for a physical and being like, Oh look, I'm, I'm still in shape. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't make a lick of sense. Uh, all it does is take minutes off of someone that could have learned something from that game. Uh, professionals that could have young professionals that could have, uh, taken their first cap or second cap or whatever. And, and taken that into the season, it would have meant quite a bit to them. Uh, mentally, uh, it would have been a nice challenge for those players, but instead, uh, a guy who has no place playing center back played those minutes. So uh, if people go to my, my Twitter page and they see the, the thing I pinned to the top, it is uh Dennis from it's always sunny in Philadelphia screaming uh, furiously into a pillow. Um, <laughs> it is pretty much summing up what happens when the national team is something I have to deal with these days. I'm glad that they won the games at least, but there's no, there's no reason for this to happen. There's, there's no reason to start, Jones in the in this game of all games no speaking of national teams Crystal Dunn just scored to put the USA up three to zero on Costa Rica yeah. yay Crystal Dunn yay USA Th- those are my thoughts on that, that yeah. development obviously we can't watch since we're podcasting I have seen a gif of the first goal that the US scored uh, because it happened 13 seconds into the game so people made a gif of it and you can watch it and it's not even that long of a gif <laughs> I, w- I would assume it's no longer than 13 seconds. I think it's 20 because it shows the moments before and after, before kickoff and after the goal. Um, <laughs> so you get a celebration in there too. A couple seconds on either side. Yeah. Uh, going back to Steve Birnbaum, uh, like I said, he played out of position but did well. When he played center back, he did pretty well. Ben, D, he, he seems to be coming back from USA camp healthy, which is rare for DC United players. It seems like, uh, especially it's rare for anybody, but especially DC United players returning from Jurgen Klinsmann's camps. Um, do you think he comes in with, uh, he's already projected to be a starter for DC United, but do you think he really hits the ground running this year? Uh, assuming that he's healthy and don't jinx it, Adam, by saying stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think he does, because obviously last year he got injured in U.S. MNT camp and then 
didn't have a preseason was and wasn't able to really get going for a lot of the season. Uh, this time he, especially in this last game, he played well defensively. He was, he showed off his dominant aerial ability in this game, even from his right back position, which is uh, kind of ridiculous. But when you have an overlapping center back, as you said, uh, <laughs> you, you need your right back to be dominant. The Klinsman air. loves the inverted fullbacks <laughs> and the overlapping center backs. Yes. So I think, I think he is, he has primed himself to break out of that, slight soft, sophomore slump that he had. I think his sophomore slump was kind of overrated if you actually look at his uh, stats and everything, but I think he's poised to uh, take the next step in MLS and really assert himself into the very top tier of MLS center backs. Anything else to add on this game before we take a quick break and turn our attention to DC United? Jurgen, why? Stop. Why? <laughs> And with that, we will take a quick break. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, you know how you're always going on and on about legal advice on this show? Well, and, yeah. And, not, and you never, ever use the term correctly? Well, of course not. I try not to use the term correctly. Right. Our new sponsors, the Ehrlich Law Office, they do use the term correctly all the time. In fact, that is what they do. Oh, so if I actually wanted legal advice, I should probably go to them? Yeah, exactly. If you're in Northern Virginia or the District of Columbia, they handle employment issues, general civil litigation, defamation, lots of stuff. Uh, They have you covered. Jason, I'm sorry, they do not have you covered because you are in Maryland where they are not operating just yet. Uh, Fine. So Ehrlich Law Office, it's it's really good people. Uh, Josh is their, their main proprietor, Josh Ehrlich. Uh, he's a law school friend of mine. His, one of their, their attorneys, Ben, uh, a lot of our listeners know him from games and, and other places. So guys, for a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It's time to talk about DC United and their preseason and all the drama, all the drama is happening around DC United, it seems like, which is a weird and interesting place to be as a fan and someone who covers DC United. Just seeing them em- embroiled is the only word I can I, I can think of. Embroiled in international transfer intrigue. It's It's a very small taste of what European clubs must go through all the time, but with very particular MLS twists on it and it makes it really interesting and fun and lets us laugh at the Italian media all the more because of it. Of course, speaking of Italian media, I have to talk about um, Antonio Notarino, who it sounds like is not coming to DC United. Instead, he will be by, by all recent accounts, he will be on his way to Orlando in the next day or two to sign a contract with them and become an Orlando City player. This despite the fact that DC United has held out or has reportedly considered filing tampering charges against Orlando City with the MLS League office. Um, That stems back to DC United being in negotiations with the player, 
reportedly offering him about $700,000 a year, an offer that he was seriously considering and was on the verge of accepting when he received a fax or his agent received a fax from Orlando City with a higher offer. Can we, some... can we ban all fax machines in soccer? Yeah, they seem they to only cause why, yeah, that's That seems to be the, the least discussed detail in this whole saga is that Orlando City uses a fax machine. Every, they all use fax machines. And apparently Notorino's agent also uses a fax this machine. This is how you make deals in soccer, is you have to send faxes. No wonder FIFA's corrupt. You can't trace a fax without a coverage. <laughs> Everything is done. Seriously, guys, PDFs, emails, they exist. They're much better than they used to be, especially PDFs. They used to be horrible. They're much better now. Now, pretty good. Better than faxes. Way better than faxes. Yep. Anyway, Orlando City came in with an offer that was reportedly around $900,000. Notorino said, I want that money. DC United said, we can't make that happen with us. And we may file tampering charges against Orlando City because in MLS, when you have a discovery claim, as DC United did, no other club in the league is allowed to get in your way, is allowed to hinder or negotiate with the player. And Orlando City did exactly that. So DC United at this point, knowing that they don't have the extra 200 some odd thousand dollars in TAM to, to give Notorino, has a couple options. They can just file tampering charges with the league and say Orlando City stopped us from signing a player we really wanted. Or they can hold Orlando City, or hold the discovery rights, I should say, for Notorino Ransom, and make Orlando City pay over a nice big kitty uh, of, of TAM, GAM, draft picks, whatever, to, to get those rights and avoid tampering charges. Because those are still in play no matter what the trade is. Um, it sounds like from reports DC United is opting for the latter and will probably be receiving some undisclosed but rather large relatively amount of some kind of allocation money maybe draft picks we don't know yet at this point for Notorino's rights and the player will sign with that team that wears purple down in the sunshine state that is where things stand a week ago they stood in a much different place a week before that they stood in a very different place still so who the hell knows what will happen between now and the next time we record. That out of the way, United does seem to have gotten their man on another front. 21-year-old Argentine number 10, Luciano Acosta. It sounds like we'll be wearing black and red. Um, he reportedly arrived in town today and will join the, the team as they travel to Florida uh, later this week to... Uh, begin the next stage of their preseason. He will be coming on loan from Boca Juniors. The The website Transfer Market pegs his transfer value at 2.6 million euros. And I meant to do the calculation before the show to see what that is in dollars. But I ran out of time. So hopefully Ben's doing that for me right now. <laughs> He's on uh, going to be on a one-year loan is what's been reported by 2. the Washington 6, Post. $2.6 million. So roughly parody, pretty close to parody. Okay. 
his uh the the option to buy it sounds like will be two million dollars so looks like a good option at least if transfer market is something you trust um and it can be negotiated down too. And it can be negotiated down. That that two million is a ceiling, right? Uh, at the end of this year, not a floor. So he's coming from Boca Juniors, one year loan. Jason, what do you make of this move? Uh, it seems like it addresses something United needs, which is creativity from central positions. Um, I know a lot of fans fall in love with the idea of having a number ten, but there's a, you also want to have it for a purpose. And in this case. United didn't create enough in the middle. Um, a lot of their chance creation came with um, players coming wide, fullbacks putting crosses in, um, Espindola popping up along the end line wide of either side of the post, trying to chip the ball to the back post. Um, there was a, uh, uh, I guess it was a not a heat map, but some other kind of map that um, Matt Doyle put up during, uh, I think it was right before the, loss to the crew, the 5 nothing loss. And he was showing Espindola and Rolf's ability to combine, and it was not where you would expect a two-forward partnership. It was all They were creating chances from all over the place rather than in the areas you normally would expect. Um, the problem there is that you're doing that because you can't create in the middle. It's, it's like a fallback plan rather than a good plan A. Um, so from that angle, it's it fills a need, certainly. Um, and I do think United needs to mix in. Maybe I don't know if they're going to have to commit full time to a five man midfield, but they need to mix it in, um, especially against the teams that have tended to overwhelm them on the other side of the ball. Um, and that also, you know, if you get a little more dangerous from those central positions, you also can now cause teams to sit back a little more. They can't just press you to death. Um, so it, it it can help on both sides. The the issue. With Acosta, and this is what we're going to find out, is a lot of MLS players that are doing really well right now are small. Um, Moro Diaz is like 5'4". Um, Darlington Nagby is very small. Uh, Giovinco, obviously, is is tiny. Um, but those guys are all excellent at avoiding contact and not... I mean, Darlington Nagby, we hear all, about, all the time about how often he's fouled, but people are trying to foul him more often than he actually gets fouled. And it's because he's got quick feet and good balance. And that showed up in, obviously it's a highlight reel. So we're seeing what, you know, someone wanted us to see of Acosta, but the highlight reels that are out there, they show a player that the, the Argentine league is full of players that are trying to just dismember you um, with their legs. Uh, it is a, it, it can be a brutal league at times. And what I, I didn't even care that Acosta scored some goals in the highlights. What I saw was, a guy who was able to avoid getting kicked and then make the pass he needed to, um, even in traffic, even as he's you know dancing away from a studs up tackle, he's making a good pass or doing something useful. Um, that's what counts, and for a player of his size, that's what's going to have to translate to MLS is his ability to avoid physical physical play. Because if he, if if he can't avoid physical play, he's going to go the way of a lot of other smaller players that got in MLS and uh, didn't make it. There's a lot of also um, teams have, have had the chance to draft small players um, attacking midfielders over the years, and they've avoided it almost almost across the board, been like, no, 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 we're not interested. If you're under 5'10", we're just not drafting you um, for that position. Or, or you get drafted, but they try and convert you um, to something else. Um, so th- those things are good. It's nice that Acosta appears to have some speed. Um, when you want to counter... 
Um, obviously, spraying the ball wide is, is usually going to be involved, but you need someone through the middle that's also going to be fast um, in those situations. So that's going to help a lot. Uh, but, you know, it's all down to whether he can make that transition uh, to MLS, whether he really is that good at, at dodging the attempts at physical play because teams are going to key on him physically. Um, and I think the big question for Olsen now is, does he want to stick with two forwards and Acosta? Does he want to roll with a diamond? Um, or does he want to convert the team to some sort of 4-5-1? And in that case, um, will the rest of the players fit in? You know, if you build a system around Acosta, then will everyone else actually be comfortable like that? Or, or will they be worse off in that scenario? Yeah, and United's personnel is actually kind of mixed on this front. Nick DeLeon, perfect guy to play a shuttler role in a diamond. But two of our other offseason acquisitions, uh, Lamar Nagel and Patrick Niarko, probably better out wide. I guess Nagel could back up Rolf and the Spindola up top. Um, but Niarko's always made his bones as a wide man. I don't know if, if he necessarily would be useful as a shuttler there. Marcelo Sarvas, on the other hand, probably pretty good as a shuttler. Um, so we, we have the personnel to do it. We have personnel that also makes it a little iffy because they should probably be on the field in some capacity, at least a lot of the time. And they, there's some question, but good, good problems to have all told I mean, is it, trying to fit it could, good guys on the field. I mean, yeah, I mean, if Ben Olsen wanted to, he could do something like 2012 where he would basically play different formations on the road and at home. So it's and also different formations, depending on whether Acosta's in or not in. Yeah. Um, which, which may not even be a home and away thing. It may be more of a, who we're playing thing. Right. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what happens when let's say Acosta does sign and does start. What happens if he misses a game? Does United stick with the formation and give Colin Martin or Julian Buescher a chance? Or do they revert to the 4-4-2? I think early in the season, at least, it'll be revert to the 4-4-2. But it will be interesting to see that down the line, whether um, if United's getting results out of the formation, if Olsen will let somebody else have that time, or if it's like, I mean, to use Moro Diaz again as an example, when he's been injured for Dallas and he's had a couple of different injuries that kept him out for one or two months at a time, I think in each of the last two seasons, um, Dallas changed not just to a four four two, but they changed everything they do. They became much more of a defend deep and hit on the counter team. And then when Diaz came back, they went back to being a more of a front foot uh, sort of team. So um being able to play with and without your number 10 becomes a factor because you, you can't just leave him out there for 34 games plus all the other games that will be coming. So that's another issue that Olsen's going to have to tackle as to whether this team is going to be built around Acosta or whether it's going to be this week we'll roll with Acosta, next week we'll we'll save him in case we need to go for broke. And just to note, I mean, I know people are skeptical about DC United signing players from – Central and South America, but at least at this point, they're spending a significantly more, a significantly greater amount of money on Acosta that they've never been able to do before. So that. Hooray, Tam. Right. So hopefully, I mean, that at least gives it a better chance of succeeding. Yeah, I think this is 
exactly the kind of signing that the league had in mind when it made Tam available. And and actually, Acosta might not even take Tam because he's a. I'm not sure how the league handles young designated players. I know they come with a lower cap hit, but I don't know if that's because more of the salary is paid by the team or if the difference between the the young DP cap hit and the the higher regular DP cap hit is covered by the league to encourage you to go get younger guys. I have no idea how that's handled. No one, um, no one does. But it may be that Tam isn't actually involved here, in, in which case just good job front office and hopefully he works out. A guy like Nocharino would have been a Tam player. He would have been somebody that we don't get. Well, we're not getting him, but had we gotten him, it would have been purely because of the targeted allocation money, which DC United still has a lot of and maybe coming into more of um, thanks to Nocharino, oddly enough. So may, maybe there's another uh, more established player coming in this offseason that we have yet to see. Exciting times. Like I said, this is a small taste of what European teams get to deal with all the time. And right. we are having fun with it and being overwhelmed with it at the same time. Also, not just European teams, but also just some other MLS teams. Like a Seattle offseason is a little more like this than, yeah. I mean, Grant. Teams in MLS don't have to deal with tampering very often because Orlando is the only team that gets involved in tampering, apparently. Um, and not, everyone else, not apparently. Just yeah. They are. Uh, everyone else is uh, on zero tampering charges, whereas Orlando is pushing number two. Um, Although, it could be that Montreal, we don't know. It wasn't publicly reported. Um, I think, I think if Montreal had, had actually tampered in that situation that Chicago, at, coming off of losing the blind draw for Jermaine Jones... I think Chicago would have gone ballistic. I think we would have heard all about it. Um, I think what happened was Chicago made an approach and Drogba was like, uh, I would rather play in a Francophone area. And someone from MLS was probably involved and was like, you know what? We have one of those. Hold on. <laughs> and got Montreal on the line. And Chicago was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's at this point, you could tell me any timeline of events regarding Drogba, and I would probably just accept it as plausible, no matter what it was. Um, I just, that the whole situation was weird. This whole Notorino thing is is weird. Who the Really, Drogba's the, entire time in the league was weird. Yeah. Um, between the fact that he couldn't stop scoring and was, like, hanging out with the academy players and grabbing goalkeepers by the leg and then <laughs> trying to leave as fast as possible. To be a coach. Right. To, to to go be a coach at Chelsea, and I guess he's going to stick around for a little while. Yeah, and a coach not even under Mourinho. The whole coaching right. thing came about after Mourinho, who brought him to Chelsea twice, uh, was, do, was done with. My, it, it, my question with that was, do you need a guy who has never served as an actual coach before on your staff that badly? Or, like, is he just there to, like, provide team spirit? Is that his job he's at that the, point? He, he would be hired to be the new Chelsea mascot. I mean, he's, he's a charismatic man that everyone seems to get along with, but, I mean, you don't necessarily need to, like, break someone's multi-million dollar contract for that position to be filled, I don't think. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I have, I, I just, I don't know. He's here for the start of the year. Apparently, Joey Saputo said that he, he can't promise that Drago right. will be here at the end of the year. And it, it's kind of almost like, of course, this happens to Montreal. Yeah, pretty like much. It's always something with Montreal, 
Um, they're never boring. Uh, you can never, ever accuse Montreal, even at their worst moments of being boring. It's always something weird. Um, whether it's, you know, Patrice Bernier's wife, uh, having an outburst that ends up, ends up actually getting him onto the field because it yeah. sparked fan pressure. And, and, uh, soon thereafter there was a coaching change and then all of a sudden Bernier is starting and um, scoring goals and assisting and on goals in the playoffs. And that was during this whole Drogba thing <laughs> that happened during the say at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I you have to give the impact credit. They they keep it interesting every single day. One more off the field thing we have to talk about for DC United is uh, a departure from the team, and our our own Leanne Elston is up about this, and not just because she got a Connor Doyle jersey uh, on Saturday at Pinstripes. After, after discussing it at length in the line as to what players she should get as well. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she she chose Doyle, and Doyle has now been traded to the Colorado Rapids, who actually were instrumental in bringing him to MLS. We talked about all this tampering stuff. DC United got Doyle completely within the rules. After Colorado convinced him, trialed him for a while, trained with him for a while, and convinced him to sign a contract with MLS, because he was a former youth international for the United States, he went through a weighted lottery that anybody in the league who hadn't won a weighted lottery in the last year was free to enter. DC United did. DC United had been really bad to that point in and, 2013. And Colorado it, had already won a weighted lottery that year. Yeah, so if anybody else entered, they were going to get him. We entered, United got him, and he's been with DC United ever since. Now he's going back back in print or in uh, quotation marks to Colorado. Um and and I guess some allocation money or no, a third round draft pick next year in twenty seventeen is coming back our way. It sounds from that fact, Ben, like um, Doyle was probably not going to be on the roster one way or another uh, come opening day. Yeah, I think it was pretty much a case of he wasn't good enough. Uh, I think it's indicative that Miguel Aguilar has definitively passed him by. There have been reports that Aguilar uh, came into this offseason with even more renewed vigor and was looking even better and stronger and faster than he did last year, his rookie season. And so Connor Doyle is many things, but a creative attack of attacking presence is not one of those. And if Miguel Aguilar is, has stepped up his game, then he's probably going to pass Connor Doyle. Um, and then there are all the other there are the other trialists who are still with the team, like Rob Vincent, who are also competing for a similar position. And so it just seems like even if somehow Doyle made the team, he wasn't gonna get any playing time. And DC United is usually pretty good about shipping out guys who aren't gonna get any playing time. And his senior roster spot was probably more valuable than he was, so shipping him off made sense in that regard as well. He wasn't really on any kind of high salary. He was pretty close to the league minimum. In right, fact, but a but a senior roster spot is. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the roster spot may allow us to sign another international player, another make another trade for a more experienced player, whatever the case may be. Uh, back on the field, DC United drew their second. Do I just not get to talk about Doyle? Okay, fine, Jason. If you want to talk about Doyle, <laughs> you can talk about Doyle. I was trying to take Ben's advice and keep the show moving so that it, it doesn't, but, but we're fine. We're almost about, done anyway, aren't we? 
we have a whole preseason game to talk about. Oh. So yes, we're almost done. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it's probably better off uh, for Doyle because he's going to actually get more time uh, with Colorado. Because um, he probably than- he probably immediately becomes Colorado's best striker. He's not their best striker, but he's probably going to play a lot on the right side for them because they don't... I mean, Marco Papa is... Stabbed. Yeah, he was stabbed, so he's not training at anything close to full speed, if at all, right now. Um, I don't have any idea how long that's going to take to work itself out. Um, Colorado doesn't really have anyone else that belongs on the right side. They're going to play people that don't belong there there because they're Colorado. Um, But maybe... Doyle just gets to play because they'll finally be like, maybe we should just start like a consistent 11 uh, in roles that suit them. That's, um, that's funny because that's something Pablo Mastroni has never done. Right. That, that's where the Rapids need to be starting at. They need to, to get something that basic uh, down before they can start moving on to higher concepts. Um, and I, we, we forget sometimes, I mean, Doyle moved here. Uh, he still would have been a college player when he arrived. Um, if he had gone that route. So he's still very young. Um, Ben mentioned Aguilar taking up some of those minutes um, with Niarco and Nagel coming in and Sarvas. Nick DeLeon might not be starting. And if you're up, if you upgrade your defensive wide player substitution as Doyle often was last year, if you upgrade that from Doyle to DeLeon, uh, you've made your team a lot stronger. Um, I don't know that that's Olsen's thinking, but that might be what ends up happening. Um, or even if DeLeon fights off Nagel for the other wide position and it's it's Nagel coming in, that's also an improvement. So United gets better um, in the process, and Doyle was kind of the odd man out. He gets more playing time. Colorado gets somebody that will work hard defensively and doesn't have any real injury problems and plays a position that they need. They might not use him there, but that's their problem. Um, so I think it's it's a deal where everyone kind of comes out on uh, with something and United gets a third round pick rather than zero, which is what likely would have happened if they didn't trade him. They probably just would have had to waive him at the end of the, the uh, preseason. So um, it all comes out uh, pretty, pretty all right for everyone except for Leanne, um, who we might be losing to the Burgundy wave at this point. <laughs> um, she might just abandon the blog altogether. Um but yeah, I, I think the main thing that when I think about this trade, the main thing I think about is DeLeon and Aguilar getting Doyle's minutes is is uh, or and Nagel throw him in the, into that group too. If those three are are fighting for those minutes that Doyle played last year, that means United's going to be a better team in in that regard. Uh, you know, they might not be as strong in other positions. Who knows? But at least in that regard, they've done something to strengthen the team. And sometimes, you know, uh. uh useful, hardworking player gets boxed out because you actually have other useful, hardworking players who are also a little better. So um, it's not one to get too worked up about or anything, but it might be a sign that United is making some progress uh, as a roster. So that's good. On the field now, assuming no one has anything else to say about Connor Doyle. No. Hair band. Okay. He was a good guy. Every time I've talked to him, he's been a real good guy. He he left his heart on the field. I liked him a lot. Good luck to him in Colorado. On the field, DC United drew in their second preseason scrimmage. I don't want to call it a friendly because it's really a scrimmage uh, with the essentially unlimited substitutions and whatnot. Uh, they they drew, tied two to two against Yonkoping Sodra. I 
or Jay Sodra, as Ben insists that we call them. Uh, Fabian Espindola converted the kick and a second half strike from no longer a rookie. Miguel Aguilar gave United two goals. I'm not going to talk about who scored Sodra's two goals. Uh, it was a guy named Pavel Sibiki and Jason. Uh, their right back, Tom, I, I guess it's probably pronounced Sive, even though it's a W because Scandinavians pronounce the W as a V. Um, yes, those guys scored. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> anyway, two to two draw. Uh, pretty exciting game, actually. If you could ben, watch it, because it was barely yeah. watchable. A, yeah, few, it, a few people watched that game. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. watched the 90 minutes, but, it, yes. but the stream <laughs> we, was barely that, watchable. Ben and I had a conversation. This is Adam knows this, but for our listeners, Ben and I were having a conversation about what was going on because we were constantly missing things, not just because we had other stuff to do and we were looking away, but also just be like, what, what was that? I don't like, uh, Aguilar's goal happened in like a crowd of sort of blurry figures and also some sunlight. Uh, it took a, a while to decide that one. You could see that he struck the ball well, but it was like, what else was going on there? I don't even know what happened. Well, the the real story of the production of the game, I understand. I was unable to watch it. Was the drunk cameraman? I was going to say the 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 Swedish fellas who were near the drunk camera, <laughs> um, who who would have conversations in in Swedish. And we heard one report from someone who was present that they they were all large larger gentlemen who who had taken off their shirts and were yelling in Swedish. Um, which sounds, I'm I'm sure, was every bit as delightful I, as it sounds. I really wish that part had come through on the audio a little more because what we got was just like the occasional Mumble. Swedish conversation, yeah, um, just enough for you to make out that it was not English. Um, and so I jumped to the conclusion that it must have been Swedish. Uh, I can't actually tell you if someone's speaking Swedish or if it's another Scandinavian language, but. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you'd hear just enough to know that they were there and they might have been making up half of the crowd. Yeah, it, it did not. I'm, I mean, it's IMG Academy. Don't, I don't, can't imagine don't they discount, draw a big crowd. Don't discount the crowd that was sitting in the earth movers that were pushing earth around behind the uh, game that were occasionally focused on by the cameraman. Between the heavy equipment and, and the Swedes, of course, was the soothing wind that I heard so much about. It was, during the game. It was fairly soothing. I will agree <laughs> with that. Ben, what did you make of the play on the field for United in this one? There's not really much. I mean, it, it was still fairly choppy. Uh, I mean, it was a preseason game, so that's to be expected. But it was better than the first game, and that's what you hope for. So, yeah. I mean, like especially the second half when DC United was attacking into the sun was basically unwatchable. Yeah, that was that was tough. The first half was it was much easier to take things from the first half than the second half. And I guess the good part, the good news there for fans is that many more familiar names played in the first half. Yeah. So DC United's next and final stage of the preseason will be back in Florida. They're going down there at the end of this week. They will play Saturday night against Tampa Bay. Wednesday night against Philly next Saturday against Montreal before heading to Mexico for the Champions League because that is apparently really close. Next week, we are going to be previewing DC United's Champions League quarterfinal tie. So that is how close we are to actual, not just actual soccer, but meaningful 
soccer and, for DC United. And all of these preseason games will be on YouTube for free that anybody can watch. So, yeah, presumably a better production and for free. It can't so be worse. In every way than IMG's product. And I, I, I'm putting IMG on blast a little bit right now, but only because they deserve it. Um, yeah, they, come on, they really do. It was real If you're going to charge for a product, don't suck. That's it. That That's the rule. Mostly, don't charge for preseason soccer because, come on. But if you're going to, don't suck. Yeah, it was real bad. So uh, I'm going to add, since we're kind of done talking about the last week in change of DC United, I'm going to add one more thing to the show because I can. That's my prerogative. And we're going to talk about jerseys right now. DC oh, United obviously oh, released their jersey on Saturday, and it's nice. Yes. Jason, I know you would prefer less red. I think you're the one person who really doesn't want very much red at all in DC United's home jersey. Yeah, more more black. <laughs> all black all the time. Um I I like the the flashes I like of the red cuffs. in it. I like the cuffs. I I just the red streak the red stripes down the side uh are a little too much. Uh but but there've been uh, other jerseys released in MLS. Some of them are are you know work well enough like Vancouver's. They have an interesting road kit that is I thought- has a gradient I thought they I, they are still good, but I thought they actually took a step back. I thought their previous road was uh, even better. The the all navy. Yeah, but it had the, like it had like a pattern embossed into it. Um, I thought Vancouver looked really sharp the last two years, and they didn't need to make a change uh, that was drastic. But at least they didn't screw it up like some other teams that we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. some other teams I, really. I, screwed I, it I, up. I do like the sea to sky kit, as they call it. Yeah, I do too. And we, you know, we took a vote on Black and Red United uh, with our readers uh, for the best logos in MLS. Uh, actually, this was just the staff. And among the staff, Vancouver won the best logo. And I, in a way, this uh, jersey is their logo in jersey form. It's the colors. It, it's got a gradient to it. But beyond that, it incorporates a lot of stuff from the logo that I think is really good and very, very Vancouver. And if if what you can say about a team's uniform is it is very them, then that's not a terrible thing. Well, no, it uh, it can be a terrible thing, as we're gonna say <laughs> soon. Says the guy from Ohio with a little bit of foreshadowing. Let's I'm not, not I'm not from Columbus. Let's not hold all of Ohio responsible for this. <laughs> I don't know. I think we can. No, Columbus we can. is their capital. Um, Cincinnati was supposed to be the capital. But the hooligans up north decided they wanted a capital more central to the state. And so they moved it from Cincinnati up to the north. So it is gonna, not my fault. We're going to keep the, the dramatic tension going and not talk about Columbus yet. In Instead, political terms, that's called having a forward capital. It's when you move your national or state capital to a more geographically desirable location. Well, we didn't. Thank you, Jason. We didn't Brazil move, did it. We didn't move the U.S. capital to Topeka, did we? No, you don't have to do it. I'm just saying people have done it. We we did put it kind of in the middle of the country as it stood in 1790. You weren't in the room where it happened. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Uh, other teams to release jerseys. Um, Orlando City released their road kits. They're white with purple sleeves. The Lion. Uh, 
in the logo seems to be telepathic. Um, if you look at it, you'll see what I mean. Uh, Those are mostly bad for a fake collar, but there's a lot of that going on now. Yeah. Adidas, one of their templates, uh, has a, a, a collar shape sewn into the fabric. Most teams that get this template, um, like Chelsea, like Spain, like RSL, um, make the collar the same color as the body. Orlando City had no such good taste. They made the the shirt white and the collar purple. And, it you know, from a long distance, it looks like a collar. And then you get up close. It's like, no, that's just printed on the shirt. It's it's a it tuxedo. Worse. It is a tuxedo yeah. T-shirt. As my as my as soccer jersey, as my in-laws would say, all their taste is in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I have nothing. I mentioned RSL. They got new jerseys, new new primary kits. Um, they are very don't red. They, don't they also red. have the fake collar? They do, but okay. but it's uh, red on red. Right. Which they got- is also a good way to describe their entire jersey, which is weird because they used to call themselves the, cl- the Claret and Cobalt. And there are some rumors or reports that they're going to go back to the cobalt blue shorts it's not really cobalt blue it's like a navy blue but i think adidas just told them to call it that yeah probably there there are some reports or rumors that they're going to go back to the blue shorts which would be nice because it'd be one less monochrome red team in the league uh but all the promo shots they changed their shade of red too like they used to at least be dark red unlike everyone else and they moved it towards everyone else yeah the the red they used to use was more claret Uh, yeah but now it's red. Um, hopefully they do use the blue shorts. At least they can't change the what red they use at this point in the, the cycle. Um, DC United, I mentioned, has a new jersey. Uh, NYCFC released a new jersey officially just today with a really sweet, cool, surprisingly good video. Uh, uh, watch the video. Where they, they told three season ticket holders um, that they were going to be filming a documentary about their day. One of them was like a community organizer. One of them was um, a bar owner who I think is originally from Ireland. And one of them is a, uh, a a pizza restaurant owner who's very, very Italian, old country Italian. And then they had players show up, you know, wearing hoodies that were zipped up um, and surprised them. And they all reacted as you think they might to David Villa or Andrea Pirlo or uh, Poku showing up. And then the guy said, Hey, I want to show you the new Jersey. And they unzipped their, their shirt and it was surprisingly sweet and they took selfies and it was, it was a surprisingly good video from NYCFC. From a team known for being bad at communicating with the outside world. Yeah. So they did a good job of that. The Jersey seems to be uh, polarizing. Uh, their fans seem to like it, which is probably the most important thing. Other fans, less so. It is, uh, people are calling it the Ripple jersey. It's a very dark navy uh, with a lighter blue uh, pattern emanating from the crest. It's kind of a circular wave. There's a lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You have to look at it. I actually don't don't mind it that much. Um, I think it could cause some problems when when they play sporting Kansas city, for instance, because it's a light enough color that and Kansas city now wears dark shorts at home, just like 
Orlando City will wear with these, that it it could be an issue. But beyond that, I, I it's fine. It's fine enough. I don't have a strong opinion about it. The jersey everyone has a strong opinion about is Columbus Crew SC's new secondary kit. The piss kit. The the <laughs> urine kit, as we will call it. Um, the, the, the first problem with it is that they ditched their the the yellow all yellow kit that they've worn at home for basically their entire existence and instead will be wearing black at home for this year uh which is a change they announced last year and their road kit now is the worst thing i've ever seen <laughs> i was going to say homage is a kind word for it it is tribute is also a very kind word it is a an unfortunate play on the city flag of Columbus, which is itself not a great flag. It is the seal of Columbus, which is basically the Nina on a teal background um, overlaid on a tricolor flag of red, white, and yellow. And it's every bit as... And, and now just imagine that in soccer jersey form, soccer uniform form. And that is what you have here. It is a shirt with a white base with a yellow gradient pattern on the front that that is most saturated right in the middle. And then it kind of fades out to white as you go out, um, which, which makes it look very much like someone peed on the shirt or on a white shirt. Yeah. And then the shorts are teal. The socks are white and the, the, the Adidas accents on it are all red. It is Jason. There's some, te- there's, some teal, there's some teal accents on the shirt too, though. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the cuffs have, um, yeah, the cuffs are, the cuffs are red, the and, red, are and, teal. red and teal. Yeah. That's right. Um, I, I really, I, I said this earlier and I was challenged on it by several people. I stand by it. It's, it is the worst uniform in MLS history. And that is a high mountain to climb because in 1996, Nike made like some of the worst soccer uniforms in human history and <laughs> out and spread them throughout the league. Um, Kansas City has had a long history of just awful uniforms with various, uh, bad choice rainbow patterns. Um, there's a way for you to do a rainbow pattern and not embarrass yourself, but Kansas City found all of the ways to do it wrong. Um, it was and the just 90s. They, they, even in the 2000s, they, they were doing the it wrong. Like until they changed, until they stopped being the Wizards, they were mostly they gave up on the rainbow thing because they just couldn't do it. They were like, let's just go with blue. Blue's easy. Just give us an Adidas uh, template with blue and white, and we'll just hang on for a while. Since since Kansas City, who also got a new jersey this week, and it, it is the it is the toast of MLS jersey yeah, it's pretty fans. good unlike a lot of their other jerseys that always get relentlessly praised no matter what they are um that's bothered me for a little while since yeah, like they the, were like in the city they're white on white whatever was not the white was silver is dumb it's a bad yeah, jersey no. yeah um, no that i agree with, but... wasn't that wasn't was it was all right it was fine um their their light blue jerseys have all been not that great um the the last last season's one looks like a um a tablecloth rather than a uh, jersey for sports. Um, this one, uh, it actually deserves the praise people were giving it. Uh, 
which makes me uncomfortable because I don't really like to praise Sporting Kansas City. But but let's 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 get back to piling on the crew. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're uh, it's abysmal, and and the thing is, like, <laughs> if you want to take from a municipality flag, that's probably a good idea for soccer. People love their tribalism with soccer, and they love to feel like it's theirs and it's from where they're from and all that. But I mean, if the flag isn't very good and in the flag in this case, isn't very good, you should maybe think of something else. Um, and if you do take that bad flag, you better have a really good idea of what to do with it. Uh, this was not that this is uh, the thing of nightmares. Uh, <laughs> the short, the thing is the Jersey by itself. I was like, wow, this is horrible. And then the picture emerged with the players wearing the full uniform and it was just so much worse. Um, it looks like a like you you see games in Central America or the Caribbean where teams just have a whole bunch of color together, and that's okay where they are, um, or because or like, that's their tradition. This is like a really bad version of some of those jerseys. Well, and also like, most jerseys you see them just in the in the wild, and it, it's, you're like, hmm, okay. And then you see it on a player, and you're like, oh, okay, that looks better. This is the exact opposite. It looked far worse on a player than it does in the wild. And it looked pretty bad. Well, not in the, in wild, the wild, but in, in, I, you, in a rendering. Like, I think yes, when you see... On a, on random, a mannequin, yeah. When you see random Columbus dude wearing this jersey, it, it it's going to look even more like he had some kind of unfortunate biological accident on himself. Yes. It, it will... I, I mean, the the reaction has been universally negative to this jersey. It's the exact opposite of Kansas City's new away kit, and in yeah, it's really bad. It's it's so bad. Um, it's quite bad. You go if you're Columbus <laughs> and you've got like a very good and unique. Like they were one of the few teams that was completely unique and also good also, with their home uniform. And yellow is a seriously underrated color. Yellow is a really and, good color. But but it doesn't belong being faded into white. No. The way they no, did no, no, it. no. You want all yellow. You want to stick with the right. all yellow. Um, and to, to transition away from that was already bad enough. We'd probably be complaining about that if that was all they did. Um, but to then introduce this, this uh, monstrosity, um, that I mean, I can't, I can't use enough negative words to describe this thing. It's truly, truly horrible. And on that note, we're going to call it a night. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com, where, like I said earlier, we write about DC United, the U.S. national teams, and a lot more. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. We are on SoundCloud. But mostly, just please tell a friend about the show. We really appreciate it when you do that. So for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Columbus, Jersey. Jersey.